Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where each week we traverse the highway of hospitality by chatting with its most colorful characters. Woo! Almost didn't get it out. But you did, Tim. I did. That's the important part. I triumphed. So, listeners, you know, usually in our gratuity round, we ask people a trivia category that they would dominate. And I think that for this intro, we should ask Tim what his trivia category <laughs> okay. is that he would dominate. And okay. then I will ask him a question to determine how much he really would dominate said category. All right. Are you going to look up no, I'm questions or are you going to no, come gonna, off the top of your head? I'm going to come up with one question and wow. we'll see. Okay. So you can be batting be a thousand or zero. Oh, wow. Binary <laughs> trivia. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right. So Tim, what? What category, what trivia category would you dominate? Oh, man. I mean, I could pick something that I'm certain you know nothing about. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I, so you would just have pretend. to ask an obvious question. But I, I'll go with something that I, I feel like we both might have. Or it'd be of. funny just to pretend that you're right. Like, just <laughs> yeah. give an answer and <laughs> I would have be no able to idea. Prove it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you do have a computer in front of you. So you yeah, I wouldn't it. use it, though. Yeah. Um, I, okay, I, I'm going to go. be the judge. Sure, I'm going to go Caddyshack. I've seen Caddyshack probably a thousand times. I think... I don't wow. know that you. So, could do you want a plot-based question, or whatever you, you want? Whatever you want. Okay, you are, um, you're familiar with the film. I am familiar with the film. Uh, which of Bill Murray's brothers is in the film? Brian Doyle Murray plays the head caddy. All right, that's great. I think let's so leave you batting a thousand. thousand. Let's just leave it. Maybe we'll revisit it. Yeah, I think we should. I also don't want to like, you know. I want you to look good for the guests, for the uh, for the viewership, yeah. listenership. Character's name is Lou. Oh, that's pretty good. All yeah. right, fair enough. Lou's been losing at the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, Tim, good stuff. Um, you know, this week's guest, one of the trivia categories that he would dominate that you might not know is... Well, I don't know if I want oh, to give it was 90s rock. Yeah, 90s. Uh, yeah. Well, we can specifically be Radiohead. Well, and Smashing Pumpkins. Right. If we're really right. going to just... Why don't we spoil the whole episode for sure. people before they listen? We're speaking, of course, <laughs> <laughs> about Nick Kindlesberger <laughs> of the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. Um, it's great to have Nick in the studio. We He's love... one of my favorite follows on Instagram. I was really excited to talk to him. He, his food documentation is he explores like very specific categories, such as like tacos, french fries, pizza burgers, burgers. Yeah. yeah he's he's a great follow and he goes in depth and he gives you the information straight up yeah no sugar coating no and he also doesn't like sugar all radical that much. transparency yep so without further but, but don't turn to him for dessert <laughs> recommendations. Yeah, don't ask him for dessert <laughs> rec it's not of a sweet tooth um without further ado here's our conversation with nick kindlesberger consent to being recorded yeah. <laughs> uh on belay belay on <laughs> all right so nick where did you grow up oh okay all right we're going there we're going I, wow okay uh <laughs> um i grew Real up in hanover buster. indiana so hanover indiana is about a, a town of about two thousand people yeah in southern indiana uh there's a college there called hanover college if you can believe it um <laughs> So my dad worked at the college, and I kind of grew up on the college campus. So oh, like nice. amongst the like, I you know riding my bikes around the, the sidewalks and you know just causing casual mayhem. Yeah, that was me. What uh, What did your dad do? 
uh, he was in the administration for a while. Then he was vice president of development. So he got to reach out to all the wealthy uh, Hanover alums and ask them for money. Yeah. So well, it was uh, a fun task. Yeah. So, you know, uh, vice president Mike Pence was a, a Hanover grad, as was Woody Harrelson. Whoa. Yeah. I listened to that interview. They were like prayer partners or something. Yeah. They were, yeah, they went together at the same. Woody and uh, Mike Pence. No way. Yeah. Weird. They like overlapped, which is like you would huh. never think that yeah. they'd be even it's, near the same it's age. It's the yin yang of like society. <laughs> yeah. It's like went to this one little little liberal arts college. Uh, so did your dad uh, interact with either of them personally? Yeah, uh, I, I got an autograph from Woody Harrelson when he came back to do a play one time at the at the college. And so, yeah, it was a really fun place to grow up as a kid. Like, I uh, was in a play. I was in Richard III when I was a little kid because they needed some little little kid to say one line, and then all the other college kids got the good lines. Do you remember the line? Um, no, I was, I was Duke of York, so I was murdered. Because <laughs> Richard III murdered everybody, I think, or had other people murder for him, but yeah. That was pretty fun. Wow, dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was great. I remember I had a really fun time. So so was there a pull for you to go to that college? I know you didn't, but... Um, my dad was adamant that I not go to that yeah. college. Hmm. He was like, you have to get far away. <laughs> well, you just like... Uh, he, uh, his brother had went to the same... I come from like an academic family. So my grandfather was a dean at another college. And he, he, my dad's brother went to that college and it was not good, apparently. So... Um, he encouraged me to get out. My dad was always really good about like, you need to like explore other things and, and do and get out. So, um, you know, Hanover was so small that I was just impressed by every other place I went to yeah. cause it was so exciting. Um, and we used to come up to Chicago all the time. And, uh, so yeah. How'd you land, uh, on DePaul? Uh, I went to DePaul university. They had a really good media program back when that mattered a lot. <laughs> um, now everyone can, you know, record podcasts in their like closet and stuff. But right. at the time they had a radio Shots station. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so much nicer than, yeah. It's a, it's a walk-in closet. <laughs> yeah, I've done it. Yeah. I, I've recorded stuff in like my daughter's bedroom because the sound's the best there with all the yeah. stuff. Usually they say to go into a closet because the yeah. clothes are going to dampen the sound. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so DePaul was great, uh, a fantastic college for media. So I was able to, I did an internship through them at NBC in London um, for, I guess, six months. That was really fun. And, um, but mostly it, it, DePaul got really into writing and so, and journalism, but I, I really didn't want to be, I really didn't want to work in newspapers at all because <laughs> I knew that it was like, you know, a, a dying industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is like early aughts. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. I graduated so 2005. So yeah. by that point, it was pretty clear. I had done, um, my high school was so small that we didn't have a newspaper or anything like that. So I, uh, I did some work at the local town over their newspaper and uh, so I started writing newspapers when I was like 16 years old, which is pretty oh, hilarious. What were you writing back then? Oh, you know, renovations of churches. Okay. Um, I won an award, an Indiana like journalism award for uh, when they replaced the lockers at a um, Nashville, Indiana elementary school. Oh, it was yeah. a big deal. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I had that yeah. uh, forwarded to me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, I have that. 
I always have an award there. No matter, no one can take that away yeah, from yeah. me. Forever. That's a win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big win. Um, so when you went to DePa for, you know, ostensibly media stuff, it was for writing or that developed like kind of after you got there? Um, it, it kind of always been interested in writing and I've always written as much as I, as I could. Um, I really had no idea what I was doing in life at that time. I just was like, I want to, I was really excited to get to a college and just dive in and explore everything I could. Um, especially from coming from such a little town, like it was exciting to be around other weird kids doing strange things all the time and you know just being motivated to do crazy projects i did insane video projects while i was there um i don't i don't know why no one's posted this online i shouldn't talk about it actually but you absolutely should (laughs) what were these insane projects well with one of my friends we did a um it was basically a uh, uh, it was called Popra. It was an opera done with pop music, so like Backstreet Boys and stuff. Um, it was pretty amazing, and it would yeah, play late night at the DePa channel all the time. So and you produced these segments or the show? Yeah. How so, many did you do? It was just one like twenty minute epic that we did. So. We got to dig it up. Yeah. yeah. Got to post it. It was pre-YouTube. I'm pretty glad that we didn't have YouTube back in the day because that would all be there. Yeah. But, yeah. YouTube came out like three years after you graduated. I, think. I know. We were, we were, I remember we were in college. Like it was between our sophomore and junior year it came out and we were like, hmm. what's this YouTube all about? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's only, I mean, who knows? I feel like only recently have I really used YouTube, you know, been on YouTube a lot. I feel like that was kind of a recent yeah I, I usually just use it as a reference like yeah. a recipe thing or like a diy fix it mm. type of situation yeah it's definitely changed over the years at yeah. first it was like you could just look see anything on there yeah. illegally <laughs> and uh but now it's more of a like this is my you know self-produced stuff which is kind of fascinating yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. how did the path to food journalism start or begin uh it was <laughs> Every time I'm asked this question, I like I'm like this is just a terrible story. Um, it was just like I had no idea what I was going to do with my life when I graduated. All I knew is that I had to get out of Indiana, like just had to go away, and I wanted to go to New York. And one of my roommates at the time came in and he asked me, he's like, "I'm moving to New York. Do you want to come too?" And I said, "Okay." And then that was it. And then, uh, you know. I had a girlfriend at the time and I was just like, I'm moving to New York. And she's like, but I, I got a job here and in Indiana. And I was like, but I have to go. I have to leave. I have to get out of here. Yeah. My friend just told me I got to pack yeah. my shit. Yeah. And go. And she's now my wife, which is really funny. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Okay. So I got, I went to New York for a year and then I, I convinced her to move out there with me for, um, so that she could experience it as well. So it worked out. Did but... she have to leave that job behind? Yes, she did. Oh, it was wow. crazy. <laughs> I don't know what was wrong with me. Um, I just yeah, what knew... was the pull? Why do you think the pull was so strong to get out? Um, I just, I loved watching old movies, um, and, uh, you know, seeing new york and or chicago or you know i I had to live in london during 
college for like six months and I almost didn't come home because I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. There's this, I don't know, I grew up on a college campus and I love that feel of like everyone just like living together Yeah, where like you can walk to the store and you can do all these things. And, you know, I never lived in suburbs or anything. I've always mm-hmm. lived like either on a college campus or in a huge city. And so if I can't like walk places, I get really... I don't, I get really nervous yeah. <laughs> or anxious. I love having just stuff around all the time. And so I just, and I knew as a writer that I needed to, you know, get out and none of my writing professors were like, you need to go to grad school, Nick, cause you're such a genius. They're like, why don't you like go live a little bit? Yeah. Get some experience yeah. and see what you can do. So I just, I moved to New York without a job at all. And had no food writing. I didn't know you could be a food writer, let alone I wasn't really interested in food before. But then once you live in New York and you can just go to the corner and get a slice of pizza that's better than any pizza you've ever had, uh, I just, it blew my mind, like how just it was everywhere and how central food was to people in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just was obsessed too. Like you could, I remember going to Patsy's Pizzeria for the first time in East Harlem, and they make all the pizza in a coal fire oven, and it's so thin, you just like it's paper thin, and it was a dollar fifty, and I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten for a dollar fifty, and it you know it took me like an hour to get there from my tenement building wherever I was, but it was I just fell in love with that idea that there are people that dedicate their lives to making like a single thing as well as they can. Mm -hmm. And I just became obsessed. And so, you know, I went with my college roommate, um, uh, who's Blake Royer, who now lives in Toronto. But, you know, we started this uh, food blog called The Poppered Chef, which was sort of about like eating, uh, eating and cooking on a budget. And so... Uh, it just one of those things where we came at the right time. Blogs were really big at the time. They're not mm-hmm. so big anymore, but yeah. uh, we were, we just started being offered all these other writing assignments at that time. And so very quickly, within a year, I had gone from having no idea what I was doing with my life <laughs> <laughs> to uh, all of a sudden, like, you know, people re, re, like Gothamist reached out to me to write stuff for them. And, you know, I had no, nobody was asking me to write anything for them to like, but when I started writing about food, everyone's like, Oh, here, Nick, you seem to kind of be interested in things. Why don't you go do that? Do you think it was a timing thing where food culture was starting to pick up and they're like, well, this guy's already doing it. He's out there. Let's reach out and see if he can do it for us. Yeah, I really do. I think that it, I just came at this time where there were some people doing it, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't as omnipresent as it is now. And everyone, you know, was just, you know, no one, it wasn't, there weren't that many people to look up to as far as, um, you know, I was really influenced by Ed Levine who started Serious Eats. Mm -hmm. And he was one of, he reached out to me like right when they launched the site to do, to work on Serious Eats. And I was just floored. I was like, this is amazing. He's someone who wrote like food books. I like, uh, I was just astonished. And so I was able to sort of get in with that that website really early um, and just keep doing it. But, you know, at the time I was a temp, I was doing just the worst jobs during the day and then writing and eating at night. 
Yeah, what were were some of the assignments early on? Oh, man, they're so good. Okay, I worked at a talent agency, um, creative artists agency, which is one of the largest ones. So I was in the mailroom, and, you know, I would have to, like, go get go assignments for Sarah Jessica Parker or something, get her coffee. And then one time I had to buy hot dogs for Bruce Willis because mm. he was coming in town and he really liked Nathan's. So they made me go all the way to Nathan's and get like 50 hot dogs and then take it back to his thing. I didn't even get to see him, but, um, <laughs> how, how does Nathan stack up? Uh, I know that's like that. They do the, cha- they do like the eating. Yeah, competition. they do. In my head, it's great. Yeah. Uh, I haven't had it in a couple years. But I really loved, um, you know, all the papaya kings as well. Yeah, so good. So, but it's a the very different special. What's that? The recession. The recession special. special yeah, of so course. Good. With the sauerkraut and the spicy brown mustard. Yeah, it's just a very different thing. I had one a couple years ago. Someone actually sent me some, and you know, the Sabret hot dog is a very different thing from the Vienna beef hot dog. They're both beef, but theirs is much more aggressive. Um, and in terms of beefy flavor in, in like the smokiness of okay. it and garlic mm. flavor and i i, I really prefer vienna beef these days which is kind of crazy to say have but, you ever had an ambassador hot dog no what it's is it's a minnesota thing and it's only sold there but it's my favorite hot dog okay is it all beef or is it a mix it's all beef um i actually think they have both i think i always go with the all beef and um it's just I don't know. I'll have to get get my hands on some for you. It's it's like the type of thing where if I have a friend who's traveling, I'm like, hey, bring back some oh, ambassador man, hot dogs. Yeah, I knew a sales rep who retired and then passed away, so my gateway is closed. But we'll, we'll <laughs> find some. Thanks for that some. sad story, oh, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, this uh, episode is in memorial and uh, dedicated <laughs> to, to, to the sales, to the ambassador <laughs> sales. We can talk about hot dogs all you want to. I yeah. got lots of good stuff. Um, Did you ever rank hot dogs uh, in Chicago? Uh, You've no, done tacos, pizzas, I've done tacos, fried pizza. chicken. Yeah, I did. I did back in Serious Eats Chicago times. I did, but mm. that was a long time ago. Do you remember the leaders? One. The lead. Oh, Gene and Jude's for sure. Yeah, that one's just a classic. I do really. I love Red Hot Ranch. That's mm-hmm. that's yeah, a great so place. So, yeah, that's another thing of like when you grow up eating like ballpark franks that are like not all beef, and you know it's just. It's astonishing when you have a real hot dog. You're like, I've been lied to my whole (laughs) life. It's just not even fair. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock, ready-to-wear options, or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. So how long were you in New York for? I was in New York for a couple years. Um, I convinced my wife, my girlfriend at the time, to move out there. And um, she wanted to go to grad school, or get her master's, I guess, and... um, she got a full ride to Ohio, the Ohio State University, and so we moved to Columbus, Ohio for a year. Okay. Uh, where Were I, you still writing about food then? Yeah. So I, I was writing for Serious Eats still at the time and doing more of like a home cooking kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote this column called Dinner Tonight for 
oh my God, like five years where I wrote about three recipes a week. Wow. I didn't come up with them. I like researched them and they were supposed to be sort of fast, but that's where I feel like I really got my cooking like background from because I had to just every week I just come up with three new recipe ideas to write about. And so I would just scour cookbooks for hours to find things all, that I could were do. Were you doing all print or were you looking online? Um, I was. I did I did print a lot and then it got to the point where like, I'm like, I got to find some more. So I would just yeah. go to the library and just pull out stacks of books and then photocopy. This is back in the day. Wow. Photocopy them and put them in a binder. And I had this huge binder full of recipes that I had to cook at home. Um, and what was the goal for those? Was it like... Did you want to limit the ingredients? Was it something you wanted to be able to do in 30 minutes or less? The goal was like under an hour, okay. like 10, usually 10 ingredients or less. So try to keep it semi. So I, I just trying to look around the world to see what do, what do what are home-cooked recipes everywhere, you okay. know. So, <clears throat> you know, and try to not just limit it to Midwestern or... So global recipes made relatively easily um, with readily available ingredients and then was it like did you want to have one vegetarian one a week one meat you know one beef one one chicken like was there yeah i tried to mix it up a bit i would get angry comments about how you're (laughs) doing too much beef or not enough beef or you know so um but yeah and then i was a wine distributor when i was in ohio for a year just Hmm. trying to make money yeah i was a terrible wine distributor that's <laughs> really bad <laughs> any Didn't fun like stories from the, from the sales time i was just uh oh man i hated it i was so bad at it i'm a terrible salesperson <laughs> <hated> the same <laughs> um I, I would just if i ever have to be a salesperson again i'm just gonna be so poor um <laughs> like uh, i don't know how they do it like they uh, that's all their thick skin i guess so i think we, you just gotta keep following up you know incessantly yeah. That's not my I'm just like you want it or not? Like I don't really Yeah, that's kind of me. When like I sense that someone doesn't want it, I'm like, "Okay, sounds good." I yeah. just leave. Um Sorry it's for tough. asking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so hard when someone's like I yeah, I like keep pushing and be like, "No, but try it in this application. Try this thing." And they're like, "I, you know, and you just keep pushing." Yeah, you got to be persistent. It's so hard. Yeah. So I uh, yeah, I We understand. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I got out of that game as soon as I could. And then yeah, it was one of those things where I loved living in New York. I loved the big city. We, we knew that Columbus wasn't full time, and but we wanted to get back to like a, a huge city, and so Chicago seemed like the right place to to get to. Did you have friends there? I would, I would imagine there's a pretty good draw up to Chicago from DePaul, right? Yeah, there is. So yeah, I know we. Um, one of my wife's best friend lives actually in Logan Square too, so we were able to 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 hang out with them and. Yeah, I know it's just uh, Chicago's such a great place for people like from the Midwest. It's just so. What year did you move to Chicago? Two thousand eight, I think. Two thousand eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Same, same as me. Okay. So like, yeah, the food scene was developing. It wasn't anywhere near what it is today. But were you covering? I guess what was your first job in Chicago? You're still writing for Serious Eats, right? Yeah, I was still writing for Serious Eats, but it was still pretty just the dinner tonight thing mm. and. Um, Let's see. I did a few job, a few temp jobs, but I worked at the Girl Scouts of America for a while. Um, 
But then... What did you do for the Girl Scouts of America? Oh, just basic filing stuff. Not cookie recipe. I yeah. just was not very... Sell, not a sales... No, not sales a sales... Girl. <laughs> I know. I can't do it. I hated that. Uh, I could never sell cookies. I would just fail tremendously. Do you want a Thin Mint? You probably don't. You probably don't. Yeah, you know, not, yeah, you probably wouldn't want one of these Thin Mints. I don't want to bother you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, but I mean, my, I was just so focused on writing that I didn't really care what I was doing during the day. Yeah. It was your mind was all, Mm -hmm. my mind was, you know, I was still doing the popper chef, which was our blog and trying to write other things for people and doing what I can. And then, um, Grub Street, actually Helen Rosner was running that and then she left and I applied for that job. And so that was my first time like getting a local Chicago writing gig, um, and which was all restaurant news sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's how I felt like I first got tapped into the sort of scene of what was going on. And how would you find those stories? I would, I'd imagine PR companies are reaching out to you guys, like, hey, we're opening a, a new place, or or is it more like you're kind of digging in to see? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I wish someone would have explained it better to me. <laughs> I was really terrible at it for a while. Um, but yeah, mostly it's like, PR people reaching out saying we have an opening coming up and then you you write about it or you send a photographer or you're scouring LTH forum to see what it, mm. what they have, you know. It's a lot different now because um, it wasn't like, you, you know, now you can look on Yelp or something and, and see almost everything that's available. But yeah. And what were like, what was the nature of a lot of those stories? <clears throat> uh, it, w- it was not very exciting. Uh, it was, I, yeah. It like, was, were there reviews or it was mostly just like, it was mostly about, openings okay. and stuff. Announcements. I, like, yeah. E, like, I think Eater is like, you know, yeah. That's where you're getting your news from, or at least me. Yeah, exactly. It was, yeah. it was more of like a, you can read this to get a sense of what's, what's happening. Is things closing, opening? Who's the hot chef kind of thing? Yeah. It, there was no joiners back then. Some people had to read. It's true. It's true. They couldn't just listen. <laughs> So I, I find that I found, I mean, I was so lucky to have a full-time writing gig, but I really didn't enjoy it at all because I wasn't, I wasn't eating food. I was just writing about restaurants, and then I could go to, like, a media dinner, which I'm sure you, you guys have been yeah. to some, which are really fun at first, and then yeah, after it's... a while you're just like... <laughs> I don't want to do any more of those. We exactly. hosted one. We did a big project with Miller High Life um, probably like seven years ago when we were just like a menswear brand. Yeah. And uh, we did like a pop-up shop in New York City. We designed a, a collection of menswear around like their old like Errol Morris ads. Oh. It was wow. very cool. It was a very fun project. But we did like a media dinner and we incorporated Miller High Life into every dish, even the dessert. And it was like, uh, yep, the chefs got pretty creative with it, but... That's, that was like my first media dinner experience. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, that's, that sounds good. Yeah, well, that's you being a part of the creating. Uh, <laughs> Nick's responding to like when you have to show up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, now I'm like, seeing that yeah. the well, people we some... invited to that dinner probably hate it. I don't know. It's like one of those things where like they're paying for everything and yeah. they're filling you full of booze. And for a while, you're just like, this is the yeah, most fun yeah. that you can, you know, I'm, I've made it. I'm. <laughs> but then after a while, you're like, why am I, you know, it's, it's all that pay for play kind of thing. Of yeah. Like, yeah. It wasn't the places I wanted to write about. It was the places that could pay for me to come. I remember my sister sent me your Instagram a few years ago and she's like, this guy, I think you were covering, 
it might have been burgers at the time or something like that and she's like you got to follow this guy he's documenting everything <laughs> and, I, and i eats everything and I, well i appreciate because it like it's not it's not stylized photography it's like it's <laughs> like the meal that you're gonna get when you go to this restaurant it's like very transparent and that's exactly what i want to see when i'm when i'm thinking about eating in these restaurants so what kinds of things get you excited or like what's your ideal thing to write about is it comparing is it looking at a hundred different cheeseburgers and then assessing the differences yeah i don't know that's a good question um yeah i i just when i started so i did grub street for a little bit and then i did serious eats and at serious eats i felt very comfortable we had a very limited budget but i could like i you know if we're going to talk about something the only way to do it is just to try everything so instead of like worrying about what other lists were it was like let's just eat all the stuff <laughs> and come up and then you can see differences in it and usually you can focus on cooking techniques or lack of cooking techniques that separate good things from bad things and so you know i was just i was getting really tired of people putting together lists of recommendations having gone to like 10 places when I'm like, I can eat, you know, not all of the burger, but I can eat like two or three bites of 50 burgers and then I'll have a better idea of how it's going to be. And what does the rubric look like for a burger, for Ooh, example? For a burger? Um, well, a lot of it is very personal, which is hard to translate sometimes. But, you know, there are certain things that you can look at at a burger to then narrow down the field. But for me, essentially, I just want it to taste like really great beef. And I want the bun to be soft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want onions involved. That's my yeah. one weird thing. I think I'm like you. Yeah. It has to be onions. Yeah. But you like a raw onion, correct? I like all sorts of onions. I prefer a raw onion, but yeah. I'm cool with any onion form. It was about after the 100th burger I ate, I'm like... Oh, okay, I can see it now in my head. Like the onion is the secret ingredient to a great burger. And like if the place doesn't involve onions, I'm like, I don't care about that place at all. Yeah. Um, I think Loyalist has onions three ways on their yeah, burger, right? That's why it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you start getting into. So it's beef, presence of onions. A bun being soft, and is there like an overall construction? I think is a meat to bun ratio is very important. Yeah, for sure. Ratio is important. Um, is there, does the place, like the ambiance, have anything to do with it? Not particularly. For okay, me. cool. Um, I'm pretty known as my photography shows. Like, I'm ambiance is like one of the lowest things on my list of things. But like, yes, if someone flavor. serves you the burger, let's say, and they're like, "Here's your fucking burger, dickhead," are you like, <laughs> "Well, Danny, uh, that's different. <laughs> that's, that's hospitality." <laughs> <laughs> no, but Here's you know, like, is, <laughs> I mean, overall ambiance, like service included, environment. Does, no, and I'm not saying it should. Food. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, it's just, it's all connected. Yeah. Right? That's and how people so, serve me burgers a lot of the time. Just, that's just, just how I serve you burgers. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go, dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, fuck face, eat this. Usually a place that takes burgers at least a little seriously. Like, you can see that, like, okay, let's go to Red Hot Ranch. Right. You you order a burger, then they start cooking it. Like, right. it's not there. Fair enough. And then, so they take the beef and they slap it down, and then they smash it. Like, that's a technique. And so you can see them doing, putting effort into the burger. Right. So when a place doesn't put effort, effort into a burger, you can, I can see that by other things through the service and through the ordering process 
Yeah. I, yeah, I'm interested in how to define, like, certain restaurants have something special, like, but yeah, you can't, the X factor. Yeah, the X factor. Like, but that's and I, I think that's where my question comes from. It's like when you go to an old school place like Top Notch, for example, there's like something to it. Like, there's the journey there. It's unexpected. Uh, just that you're gonna be, uh, you know, in that neighborhood probably for us where we live in this area, in yeah. the north side. Um, well, they're grinding the beef and back, Danny. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that, and there's yeah, all I mean, these great components. Yeah, I mean, that's been doing it for but, 80 years or But whatever. yeah, I think, like, it's been around for so long. I think there's a lot of things that build into the judgment that are happening maybe subconsciously, and that's a hard thing to account for. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. memory, you know, we memory is so important to food yeah. and how we think about it. Um, what I don't know is whether those are... are after effects like after you have a good meal then you're like oh, i remember so much about this experience mm-hmm. and if you would have a terrible experience with the food you'd be like i don't care like that place was terrible yeah so mm-hmm. i know that yeah the true. way that we remember things is strange yeah. um and we can we talk lovingly about a place like top notch that looks like 80 years old um, cause I love top notch cause they serve great burgers, <laughs> Yeah. but I don't know, you know, would we think about it different if I had a bad burger there cause they didn't grind the meat in the back or something, you know, whatever this stupid bench is so uncomfortable and yeah. like that sort of thing. My mother-in-law worked at top notch in high school and oh. she got fired cause she didn't show up the day after prom. <laughs> she blew off her shift. There. <laughs> Kathy, you're out of here. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> this is the big leagues. You don't, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny, like you touch on memory and uh, kind of an ongoing bit between Tim and I is this like Culver's versus In-N-Out thing. Mm. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's possible that, you know, my love for In-N-Out or my affection toward that burger uh, comes from the fact that it was like the first really good burger I remember having. Um, And it wasn't all over L.A. at the time. And that's where I'm from. And I think we were like traveling somewhere for my brother's club soccer and we stopped and like I had never seen one and it was like this, you know, it was kind of like a special burger chain, but I didn't know it was a chain because once again, they weren't really in LA at that time. And, uh, and that's possibly like why I love it so much is like, yeah, it was the first super memorable burger that I had. And I know with Culver's, like that was the first place that got Tim's name correct on the order. So <laughs> I'm remembering, I think the from. first time I had Culver's, I was traveling to a tennis tournament with my dad and we got butter burgers. Yeah, and then it just kind of became a joke about the butter burger. Like what the hell is a butter burger? Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It is memory. Yeah. Might it's the burger cognition theory. Yeah. That was what it was called at Serious Eats. Like oh, the really? Burger cognition theory? Yeah, it's yeah. like the first burger you have is the one that you think, or was it the pizza cognition? It was the debate whether which one was true, but like the first burger you have is the the burger ideal burger that you have in your brain yeah, yeah. that sets in stone what your views are. I think that is pretty accurate. Yeah, I think Sotokoff has talked about that. He's, he talks about having like a, like a photographic memory, but for taste. Mm-hmm. And I think like the... Uh, Ocheval burger is like based on a childhood burger that he loved. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or maybe it's a small Cheval burger. I don't know. Something like that. But. Yeah. And then uh, another follow up to the ranking, you know, the criteria. To me, when you start off on the journey, uh, the first burger has to taste better than the hundredth burger. So how do you kind of correct for that? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, like I'm assuming you're excited or, at the beginning. It probably like, doesn't taste better, but you, you're probably tasting it differently. 
Are you thinking you that I would just get tacos, sick? The first taco I have is probably the one I like. I don't yeah. know. There's something when something is really good. It transcends. It transcends, and I am so happy. I just there's nothing better than eating good food. Yeah, <laughs> a great food is even better than that. And then <laughs> yeah. when you get to a burger that blows your mind, like oh my god, like I had the table donkey and stick burger towards the end of my thing back in when I did my first list. And I was just like, holy shit. And I was so excited because no one was talking about it. And he didn't even really want to talk about it because he didn't really want to be known for serving a burger. Yeah. Like, it's a different kind of rhetoric, which I felt a little guilty about. Um, <laughs> but it was like he had great beef. He was getting it from this specific place that raised really good cows. And, like, they were just making it there for fun. Like, it was he had told you, though, like, oh, it's just like a Cisco patty, whatever, like. Did that contribute to it after the fact for you? Or that would you be interesting. That's that gets into a whole other level of like whether negative connotations can make it taste worse in your head afterwards. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. It, yeah, we were just talking about that when we went out. We went out for a meal with uh, Mike Sula, and like after we heard what he thought of it, it changed the way that yeah, we, we went to meet Moot. Right oh. before you, and that's why I commented on your thing. But okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we had just gone to meet Moot, and, uh, yeah, and Tim and I are like, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to compare. Like, we're with a bunch of, like, more serious, you know, food people. Um, but we were, like, we were kind of loving it. We're like, this meat's great. A lot of condiments. Like, living it up. This like, a weird yeah, place. Yeah, something different. Like, we had to Illinois. travel down yeah, yeah. south to get it. Yeah, and then, but, yeah. And then, and then I like... ate too much meat, and then I was like, <laughs> maybe I made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so then, like, but hearing everyone else's critique of it while we were sitting there, we were kind of like, oh, like, was it just mediocre or? Um, yeah, that's a great. I try not to discuss food while I'm eating it. Yeah. Because I don't. I don't know. I'm hungry and I just want to eat the food. I want to experience it and like not overanalyze it in the moment. That's smart. But then I want to like, the memory is what I've tried to do. Like when I'm writing, I'm trying to conjure up that food from nothing on the page. Yeah. Do you go with people to these places? Sometimes. Um, But you prefer solo? When it's like a a hunt for things like burgers, I actually do prefer going on my own because I I eat really quickly and I eat and then because I want to go to another place, um, I don't want to spend an hour like sitting there because then it would take me four years to do these things, <laughs> and people don't think that's pretty fun. But um, yeah, I mean, just the sheer volume of meals you take in, I, I'm amazed. Yeah, it sounds like two or three bites though is the secret. Yeah, usually, yeah. And we, and when it's when I'm doing like a burger thing, when I when I encounter a bad or a mediocre burger, I can just be like, push it away. Yeah. After one bite, because what's an immediate turn off for you? Um, no, no onion. No onion. Um, just the the grind of the meat is so important, hmm. and so when like a coarser grind or a what I mean when it's um when it's overcooked. Or just bland when people aren't seasoning the beef. Yeah. You got to season yeah. it up, man. It's got to, <laughs> like, you know, it needs a lot of salt or pepper. Um, and then with a, a heavy bun that also, when the proportions are off, when you like can't squeeze it and like fit Condense it in it. your mouth, yeah. Yeah. That, that really bothers me. Yeah. Too big for a mouth bite is one of the wild 
yeah, things that I encounter. Yeah, what a I terrible encounter. trend. I remember. Yeah, uh, I'm like, why? Like, I can't even. What the? <laughs> it's like this thing, and you <laughs> yeah. gotta like eat on the yeah, side. A part of it. I want to be able like, to hold a burger with one hand and eat it without putting it down. That's that's a good burger. For, that's a good composition. Yeah. yeah, good size. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned the table donking stick burger. What are some other like great meals that you were kind of blown away with? Um, oh, let's see. Let, um, I was. Where should we go? You know, it doesn't have to be burgers. It doesn't have to be burgers. No, no, it could be I'm, anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when I, you know, La Chaparita. Yeah. The when I had those crispy tripas tacos, yeah. I was immediately floored. Or carnitas ruapan. Yeah. Birria Zaragoza. Mm-hmm. You know, these are bites that um, JP Graziano, you know, I did a whole thing on Italian subs one time. When that was your number one? Um, it's, yeah, it's my favorite for sure. And it's one of these things where. Those are, that's another very specific one. Yeah. Like people's yeah, personal people are preference. opinionated on it. Yeah. But it, it was one of those things where I was just like, I, I tasted like 10 in one day. Hmm. And. I was like, this is the best one. And then you talk to Jim Graziano, and he's like, well, I get my bread from here. All the meats are imported. We dressed, like, everything to order, you know. And so then it kind of lines up. And But if he had told me I bought it from Cisco, like, that I don't – then I would be embarrassed for myself. <laughs> um, then, I mean, that would mean I was terrible at my job. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a, maybe a, a more interesting – question like yeah like who how sometimes i feel like i'm i worry that all i do is like just find effort and praise effort yeah i love it when people work really hard like yeah that's my i can recognize effort very clearly and quickly i think that's one thing i can do and so when i know people aren't don't give a shit about what they're serving like i can see that almost before the food comes yeah, yeah I don't th- that's paramount i think agreed i don't think that they are mutually exclusive I, like you could still you could still have some things coming from a distributor that you don't necessarily respect or whatever right um but at the end of the day like the flavor could be right a 10 out of 10 and then someone who does care brings their meat in from some great purveyor some whoever um they might not season their meat. Right. You know, there's all sorts of variables mm-hmm. going on. There are so many variables, yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I think it's about this a lot. Who else yeah. was towards the top of the Italian sub? Uh, well, Bari, and, yeah. um, but then they changed their bread because yeah. there was the D'Amato's fiasco, mm. where D'Amato's used to only bake the bread, and then they started making sandwiches in-house, and then Bari stopped using their bread, hmm. and so then the subs at... Bari became less good. Oh, because they didn't use. They couldn't doors. use the okay. next door bread because uh, then they had to go somewhere else. Huh. So, we so, were shocked to learn that uh, Bari uses mushrooms in their jar. Oh yeah, yeah. That's like one of the strangest things that we encountered I lost relative a lot to of Bari. Sleep over that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had Bari yesterday, two days ago, and I like, you know, I opened the bread to do some doctoring, but 
it always like blows my mind. I see the jar laid out. And there's yeah, like a mushroom it's sitting in it. They're the only people who do it, I think. Yeah, it's so weird. Their jar, Jardinera, is excellent, actually. Yeah. Um, it's really distinctive. It's so, dis- yeah. There you and go. so I do go to Bari, even if I wish their bread were slightly better. But yeah. Do you have a favorite Jardinera? Um, I really like, I love the way J- J.P. Graziano's Jardinera is is pretty big. Yeah. And so they have her. olives in their Jardinera, but they're not cut up olives. Hmm. And so there's an olive flavor, but there's not like. Are they smashed though? Um, or are they like fully intact? Just their their seed, they, the pits have been removed. If it's, and then I like a little bit of a mix in there. So I actually do really like um, Portillo's Jardinera because they put they're heavier on the carrots and hmm. sort of crunchier yeah, the things. Crunch factor. Yeah. When it's only chilies, then I don't need that much Jardinera. So I like a little bit of a mix in there. Yeah. Um, but I love Jardinera. And mm-hmm. so it's one of my favorite things. So I have theories about it. This podcast is brought to you by Geneva. Danny, what is Geneva? Well, Tim, I'm glad you asked. Geneva is a European spirit with a wide range of flavors and lots of personality. It always uses malt spirit and juniper and other botanicals, so some would place it somewhere between gin and whiskey. It can be floral and bright like gin or round and malty like whiskey. Whatever your preference, there's a Geneva out there for you. Even me? Even you, Tim. This campaign is financed with aid from the European Union. Now, though, working for the Trib, um, after, like, do you feel more, pr- like, the reach is probably the biggest of all of the publications you've worked for. Um, do you have, like, assignments there that excite you more than others? Like, kind of, or does it affect how you pursue different pieces? Um, I guess, for me, with the Tribune, has been, as long as I stay busy, and I can do whatever I want to, but I just have to stay, as long as I stay on top of things, I can choose whatever I want to. But if I ever fall behind, then I have to do things I don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I try to stay just interested in what's going on and go to places like Meat Moot and, <laughs> you know, just to see what's going on there. Because that was a really interesting concept. I was like, this is so, it's a Turkish chain doing smoked meat, but it has nothing to do with like Turkish food at all. Um, but did you have the beef ribs? I did not have the, they beef were ribs. out of the beef ribs when we were there. Okay. I was curious. I went with only one other person and they're like, you need to have a much bigger group. Yeah. yeah we had eight people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Eight very hungry people. That's right. When will, uh, when will your piece about it come out? Oh, <laughs> do, will you, do you have anything coming out about um, it? Um, I probably will in a couple weeks. Okay. So I try, I try to work ahead of time. So I'm not like just constantly on deadline yeah that's yeah. smart to try to get out in front of things but so what's an example like you say if you keep busy you get to kind of choose your direction what's a, an example of stuff that you'd like to keep busy with and then what's an example of something you might get assigned where you're like uh, i don't know about that um things i don't like are just events kind of things like um i think events are fine i love but i don't you know it's just so weird because I'm not going to the event. <laughs> yeah. You know, as, as a writer, it's like you, you need to get excited about something because people can tell when you're not excited. And so if it's an event that I need to write about, 
you know, then I'm just essentially writing a press release for this other person, um, which is fine. And sometimes they do really well. Or if there's like a promotion, you know, Potbelly's doing $1 sandwiches for the day or something like, but you know, what's really exciting is, um, you know, Indian food is very popular right now in Chicago. And so I got to write about, you know, Wazwan and Indian, which just opened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting back to Meat Moot, like there's a, an explosion of halal restaurants in the western and southwest suburbs. Mm, like Burbank, specifically, yeah, you know, that area. Burbank, Lombard, and um, other, and um, Bridgeview. Okay. Um, and a lot of it is smoked meat. Like hmm. a lot of it is like barbecue esque. And so I went to this place called Bones and Chef, which is, you know, a halal bar- Texas barbecue spot, <laughs> which is just so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Because I talked to Adrian Miller, who wrote this book called Black Smoke about sort of the black American experience with barbecue. And he was just telling, like, I was like, Texas barbecue is so popular in Chicago right now. And he's like, Nick, it's popular everywhere. Like, if you go to the Middle East, there's Texas barbecue there. Hmm. And so I think what we're seeing now is, like, Texas barbecue going from Texas to the Middle East back to Chicago. And that's weird and awesome and so much fun. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a game of telephone. Yeah. And so, and things get, you know, what what I love about barbecue is how weird it is. And I get... A little sad when it, when one style like Texas barbecue just comes up and erases like all the weird characters yeah, that the are nuances here. Nuances of other ones because mm-hmm. like barbecue used to, is so regional because it's so based on like what is going on in this one specific county or something, and so. But when you have things filtered like that, then you can get some really fascinating twists on things. Um, which is what I did actually like about Meat Moot is like the it was not trying to be a Texas barbecue, but it, um, but it was trying to it was using Middle Eastern spices in a way that was kind of fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm. on smoked meat, which is not traditional in that area, and a crazy amount of sauces. The cr- which was the sauces were crazy. <laughs> the condiments, I, yeah. The condiment dynamite sauce. Yeah, I, mean, I was not a fan of that, but the spices. <laughs> well, it was just one of those things where like it sounded good on paper, and then you're like, "Well, this is silly." Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's almost like you need a self service bar. Not everybody needs the full range in front of them. Yeah, but, but the it, seasoning, like they season in front of you, it's like there's a performativity. Part yeah, of it it's too. Like a little bit like the Salt Bay guy. Yeah, that's yeah, that, yeah, that's what, <laughs> Danny kept, yeah. that's what Danny kept screaming at the staff. <laughs> You're like Salt Bay. <laughs> Danny, stop. They're yeah, I was showing security. them YouTube videos of Salt Bay on my phone. <laughs> Will you sign my Salt Bay T-shirt? <laughs> so I mean, like, it's one of those things that like that's unnecessary, but it's kind of fun. Like, yeah. Yeah, I thought I think that's what we were responding to, how different it was for us. And uh, yeah, it was enjoyable enough. Yeah. I got meat sweats after the fact. That's, <laughs> it's easy to do at Meat Moot. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to do a weigh-in at the beginning and then a weigh-in when we left and whoever ate the most yeah. won a prize. Well, they just something. keep bringing you stuff. They're like, yeah. do you need more of anything? We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll do it. You're like, um, So we know how you, how you go about rating things individually, but on some of these pieces, like I forget if it's fried chicken or pizza or tacos you did this with other people Mm -hmm. so how did you kind of bring together usually we would do 
things separately and then at, do the final run through of places together. So the top 10 gets Correct. together treatment or something like that. Usually if we have to do something like that. Oh, cool. So that way we, or usually we'll, we'll start with a place like here is a great French fry. Like it's fresh cut, fried to order twice, you know, then we can go and judge things based on that criteria. Yeah. Which of those journeys has been the most fun? Um, ooh, that's good. I did get a little tired of burgers by the end. You're right. Um, French fries was pretty easy. The, the hardest one by far was I did sort of vegetarian burgers. Hmm. And that was just horrific. Because um, <laughs> it's I, all like beyond an impossible or... And or like uh, starchy like or bean burgers or yeah. like... Yeah. By the end of it, I was sick. I was like, I don't... I never want to eat another veggie burger ever again. Mm. I thought it would be easy because it would be like lighter, but it wasn't. It was just like, I feel terrible. Yeah. It's more I, sodium, right? Yeah, I bet so. Yeah. I'm not a fan of of vegetarian dishes mimicking meat dishes like okay. just like i like a vegetarian dish but just stay a vegetarian dish don't try to you know, like i don't like a seitan dish or like uh like like faux fried chicken or anything like just you know just be yourself veggies <laughs> you know, stick to what you know <laughs> yeah i think about this all the time because to some vegetarians it's uh, just a godsend to have yeah. some of these textures that they yeah, can appreciate um, but it really bothers me sometimes. <laughs> and, um, you know, the impossible burger was pretty fascinating. And I think that in some applications it's, it can really, really closely mimic a regular burger. Uh, so I do enjoy that. I think, um, you could get like a jackfruit could be a good pulled pork. I've had, a, that is a good sub that can be pulled off pretty successfully. Yeah. But it never quite gets above like a a B, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think... It never gets, like... You never, you never to get to A territory. Yeah. That's what I remind my vegetarian friends. We're like, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah, but you don't eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like tacos would be very hard. Uh, oh, I could eat tacos every day. I don't... Yeah. It, but just the range, I mean, like... The range... specialize in this and some yeah. this. It was... It's hard because it's, it's just like there's so many. You yeah. don't even know where to start and like... Yeah, overwhelming. Like La Chaparita doesn't look... Like they don't even make their own tortillas there. But because they do this like cooking in this like this grill thing, um, that's what makes them unique. And so you're trying to look for little things like that of like... They're just thinking about things and want to do one thing really well. So, but I mean, I, I do eat tacos every week and I, I make them at home all the time and I could, I could eat, continue to eat tacos constantly and never get tired. Yeah. I think that's pretty true. Yeah. We just got turned on to Rico's tacos. Have you had that? It's on Armitage, like a little bit West of here. Yeah. Oh, in, in, the, it's in a supermarket. Oh yeah. In the yeah. supermarket. Yeah, yeah. They have great carne asada. Yeah. That's what I just <laughs> said. Yeah. We didn't Diana try the Davila told us about it. And so we immediately went. Yeah. It's good. I've been back since. Yeah. I, I love, yeah, I, totally. I know that place. And then one of my favorites is, um, the Jimenez Carniceria on Fullerton. They do these potato tacos hmm. where they, it's basically like mashed potatoes, though not like with butter and stuff. And no like, chorizo. Um, no chorizo, like just potato, and they roll them or they fold them over and then fry them. 
Hmm. So you get that crunch and creaminess. Um, and I don't think they're on the menu at all. But if you ask for them, they'll make them for you. Wow. That's a great pro tip. Yeah. yeah. Jimenez. What's the cross street, you know? Uh, it's so it's past Hamlin because I live on Hamlin. Or I shouldn't okay. say that out loud. Um, <laughs> uh, if any angry people would come <laughs> knock at my window. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, so it's past Central Park, but not yet to Pulaski on okay. Fullerton. Okay. And so then they, it's like $4 for three tacos and they're topped with like crema and, and lettuce and tomato. And mm, that's, um, that's not far from uh, La Patron. Yeah. That's yeah. a good spot too. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a good spot. And they've got like their own unique tortilla. They do. The, the gringo and gringa. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, yeah, we could keep asking you a million questions. <laughs> we're I'm gonna, sure we're we will in the gratuity soon. round. Joiner's podcast is brought to you by Party Can. Party Can is a premium batched, large format, full flavored cocktail that uses high end liquor, real juice, real ingredients. It's all natural, gluten free. It's 12 drinks in a single can. And guess what? That can actually floats. You can take it to the beach, the pool, on the boat, camping, hiking, to the game, everywhere you go. It is recyclable and reusable. It's a party in a can and everyone's invited. Party Can is available at multiple retailers around Chicago, around the country, and you can always go to drinkpartycan.com to find a local store or have one shipped to you or a friend. And now, back to our interview. Okay, let's These do are the hard-hitting questions. So I guess, I mean, a lot of, a lot of these questions are kind of asking for tips, but I'm interested in like, so what are the different categories that you've done so far? I know you just listed a lot of them, but like fried chicken, and, and do you remember like, your top one for each one okay just so listeners have a bit of a shortcut oh man so i've done so many things i have a really hard time like remembering <laughs> yeah but so okay so with tacos i've done my favorites are three it's la chaparita birria zaragoza and carnitas Uruapan. then uh i don't know about fried chicken it's what's changed. your order at Uruapan? Um, you got to get the mixto, so you get a, a range of different pig parts. Yeah. So you don't want all lean, because then you'll that you know then that's not good. But you don't want all like of the crunchy bits. But okay, cool. It's like a deconstructed hot. I, lo- I love that place too. Tim's more of a Don Pedro person. Okay, I am. I do like Don Pedro as well, but okay. I always, they're always sold out when I go. Oh no! And I'm going at lunchtime. Yeah, so you gotta it's really hit it you gotta early. go brunch time. Gotta go brunch time. <laughs> <laughs> so with burgers, I'm the I'm the loyalist. I still love the most um, with uh, Table Donkey Six Burger as well, and um, I I love Red Hot Ranch is my cheap burger yeah. pick. Yeah, it's a great one. Uh, I just it's amazing. So <laughs> and their fries are so we've good. had a lot of loyalist burgers between us probably. Yeah, I like the classic burger on their menu. Okay, like their smash yeah, burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so usually we'll get one of each and split them. Okay. That's yeah. a good way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've also done, oh man, whatever. Fried chicken. Fried chicken. I've done a lot of fried chicken sandwiches stuff, but it's, it's been years. I don't feel confident yeah, you don't saying say that. that. I know the Roost does a really good job. Big Jones makes really great fried chicken. Um, I love Harold's. <laughs> yeah. With um, they just mild opened sauce. one in Culver City in L.A. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I remember you told me yeah. that. That's wild. There's something magical me. that happens when you put mild sauce on that chicken. It's, it's so good. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, pizza. 
Oh my god. Okay, so pizza. <laughs> just run through the list. Uh, wow, there's so much good pizza right now. It's pretty yeah. astonishing. I I do like Millie's a lot. And yeah, I still haven't tried Millie's pizza. Millie's great. It's supposed to be great. It messed my front seat up, but I love it. <laughs> you yeah, messed your front seat up after you ate it, or what? No, I put the pizza on it instead of the floor. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that was the juices from it went yeah, through right, the box right. into my seat. Yeah, I love this place called um, Jerry's Pizza Company in Cary, Illinois. Mm, okay. Does the best like traditional deep dish. So uh-huh. I don't consider Millie's. Millie's is more like a pan pizza, yeah. like Pequod's. Yeah. Um, and because I don't, I don't really like Lou Malnati's. It really bothers me because um, they don't salt. The dough's not salted, and it's fermented in a really weird way that seems like over fermented or under. I can't figure it out. Um, but this place nails it. So Jerry's. Jerry's and Cary. In Cary. So it's not close to anything unless you live out in Barrington yeah, or something. Yeah, I grew up in Woodstock, so that's on the way home. Oh, okay, good. I'll, yeah. I'll stop, stop by there. Jerry's. Yeah. Cool. And what about French fries? French fries, um, Mr. D's is this little place on diversity, like almost as far west as you can go in the city. Hmm. And they buy the big steakhouse potatoes that are like this big podcast hands <laughs> yeah. football size yeah football size um, potato um and uh th- so they're like these super long french fries and they're perfect wow and they are like you know fried twice to order it's this family runs it there's three of them what's it called Mr. D's. Mr. D's. And what else do they do other than like steak sandwiches that are that's really good? They also okay. have an Italian beef, hot dog, and a burger. That seems like a good Tim yeah. Danny. That we'll place is amazing. Okay. It's one of these like old school places that hmm. you know should be a national treasure. It's that wonderful. Wow. Um, but it's just like a little check, like okay. with no atmosphere, and it's amazing. Cool. Wow. All right. So now on to the official question. Okay. <laughs> okay. Given all this like information, yeah. 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 what's your whistle? What is <laughs> your death row meal? My death row meal? Uh, um, Al Pastor Tacos in Mexico City. Okay. Great. From a particular place? Um, From Bayless's El, apartment there? Yeah. <laughs> El Hedquito, I know, is like very popular, but I love them. Um, so, yeah. Good answer. All right. Favorite hidden gem restaurant? I feel like you're qualified to answer this one. Oh, uh, I mean, um, I need a genre, I guess. Um, <laughs> hidden gems. The problem with being a food critic is that you, can, you never really can go back to a place that you like because you're, you're constantly on to the next right. thing. So or Maybe another way to ask it, what's, well, what's yeah. a hidden gem restaurant where you got there and you're like, oh, my God, how is this not discovered yet? Um, like, what were you blown away by and excited to write about? Yeah, that's great. I mean, Mr. D's is a great example. Of yeah, that's a one pretty that, good example. That's a pretty good one. I love. Oh, jeez. I need to think. I'll think. I think about we it. can frame it in a different way, which is, for the family, where do your, where does your wife and and daughter, where do you guys? Oh, like okay. To go? We go. My daughter loves slurp slurp noodles in Chinatown. Okay. Um, I love it too. Mm-hmm. They make the hand pulled noodles, and they also do shave noodles, which is really interesting. So they kind of roll up this rice dough and then shave it straight into the water as it cooks. Mm. So they're like rugged noodles oh. that really latch onto the sauce when they stir fry. Slurp slurp. So slurp slurp is the restaurant I've been to the most with my family. That's a good one. Nice and. 
So how many kids do you have? Just one. Just one. And like, how old? Nine. Nine. All right. Nine. Yeah. And is there like a propensity for food there already? Um, Interest? One of those things where when she was like a baby, she ate everything and then Mm. she refused to eat anything. That's how my son is currently. For like four years. It was like pretty sad. Like she wouldn't touch anything. We're in the sad phase. Okay. It gets (laughs) better. Slurp, slurp. Yeah. So our our two and a half year old, she's eats whatever. And then our son it's just like he used to eat everything yeah and then now he doesn't i she used to eat guacamole and refried beans and tortillas and all this stuff and now and then but all of a sudden like last year it flipped and wow. she started eating pico de gallo and we're just like you don't like any of these things <laughs> but for some reason all together she's like this is my favorite food and so i just make pico de gallo every weekend now it's wow, great her, so a great pico is hard to beat yeah, yeah. But it's like winter to tomatoes, so she's going to lose her mind in the summer <laughs> yeah, the when we get limbs. like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what is your most memorable dining experience? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. You know, dining is is so hard. You know, when I'm just looking at the food, that's one I guess thing. hospitality-wise. But, like, you remember who you're with, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so I remember my last meal with my dad, who passed away, um, cause it was like my daughter had just been born and we were at, you know, a restaurant. Um, I can't even remember the name of it cause it closed. It was right by, it was on the street where Alinea is, but it was owned by the Boca people and it was an Italian-ish place. Yeah. What was it? Oh, Daniel, I know what you're talking like where across and it from burned down. Wolf, yeah. Halstead. Yeah. Um, uh, so isn't that funny though? I can't yeah. even think of the name, yeah. no, I but know like, I remember cause like Belena. Yeah, yeah Belena. Belena. Yeah, with the upside down e. Yeah, yeah that's right. But that I will Tim's always idea. remember that because, like, you know, we had good wine, and like my daughter was there, my dad was so happy and, and around, and like, yeah. So, I I remember those. I remember, uh, I love Oaxaca, and so, you know, eating at um, in Oaxaca, like at Itanoni, which is this little place that does heirloom corn dishes. Hmm. Um, I, I'll never forget that, or Casa Oaxaca, which is so beautiful. You weren't there at Christmas time, were you? I was not at Christmas time. Oh, not with Rick. Not yeah. with Rick. Rick. I don't hang out with Rick. There's like <laughs> we get yeah, along yeah. well, but there's some pretty interesting traditions there, like a, a radish festival. They do, yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I sometimes when I'm in Mexico, I'm just like I should just leave and stay here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I'd be one of those guys that like they're like go home, you know. Um, but whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Favorite fast food? Uh, let's see. I, I, Panda Express is one that, like... Yeah, that's a okay. good one. What's the order? Um, so I like to do... So what... Usually when I'm on a car trip, I don't want to feel like terrible person. Like, and you feed a big burger and you're driving, if I feel sick. Um, <laughs> so, but it, you can get vegetables. So I get rice, half rice, half vegetables, and then the thing... Um, usually one of the, the chicken dishes, I can't even think of, not yeah. the fried one, but I, the, I do, I do the orange chicken, the beef and broccoli and the lo mein. It's okay. Like the two thing combo. But yeah. And my daughter will eat rice. So that's our, that's our goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. What's your favorite cocktail? Oh, that's a great question. I love Manhattan's, um, Okay, I like a lot of cocktails. Um, I love gin. Um, 
which is why I've been to Scofflaw. Well, I used to live close by, so we would come. Yeah. Before I had a kid, I would come to Scofflaw a lot. Um, and at the Whistler, I loved going there as well. That was one of my favorite places. Um, so I love like a, a really clean martini up with a twist is one of my favorite things in the world. Um, when you say clean, uh, is that a reference like a ratio of gin to vermouth or just? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like all gin. I like a, I like a lot of vermouth, um, so it's a little, it's it's less hot, yeah. I guess. Um, and so I've been getting into as far as gin is concerned. Like I do like London dry gins a lot, but then I, I like I do like some of the more modern gins that are coming out. Um, cool. Like a what's a favorite? Oh, crap. What was the one I just took? I, I took a picture of the bottle because I really liked it. It was like it had some like salt added to it or something. Hmm, hmm. Um, the gray whale gin. Okay. Have you? I took a picture because I liked it so much. Oh, wow, I never had it. So and it was great with it's gin tonics. Yeah, it was a California gin. Because I haven't been that impressed. Oh, I love Leatherby. Um, I do love Leatherby a lot. I hadn't been that impressed besides Leatherby of domestic gins. That's cool. Yeah, we got to get Brent on here. Have um, you done a cocktail assessment? Um, I would love to, and so side by side. <laughs> what, what, what would be? Would you do uh, martinis? Um, maybe martinis. I'm really interested. Maybe oh, you, you guys are the perfect that. people to talk to. Yeah. Um, gin and tonics are amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's so many interesting tonics coming out right now. Yeah, that I've been. I found one the other day at Benny's. It was called like London. Crap! What was it called? I found it at Benny's, and then they don't have it anymore, and I'm really upset. Hmm. Um, Because I got into Fever Tree for a while and Q-Tonic, and then... there's, like, Top Note. Yeah. And so I was talking with this... The guy, do you know Nick Kokonis? Not the, the uh, yeah, the, the gin and tonic dude. Yeah, yeah. he wrote another a whole book. Kikonis? Yeah, there's yeah, another. I, and his Kikonis. name is Nick Kokonis. I know it's so funny. funny. Wow. He just won an award for this. Like, yeah, yeah you wrote about it. Yeah, um, and it was so interesting. And you so, should do a gin and tonic one. Well, but we'll I need help. Will in-house. you guys uh, help me out with this? Yeah, we're yeah Danny's a gin guy, but I'll make the merch. Well, if you're ranking it, you don't need my help. Yeah, that's like that was our go-to in the house, like a gigantic gin and tonic, and then you just like Spanish style. You remember Paul McGee's birthday party one year? He had like a gin and tonic bar where you had like a bunch of different tonics, like a thousand different choices for the for the garnish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got to leave in a few minutes, but let's keep talking about cocktails because I love them. I also love um, uh, French 75s. That'd be a cool one. Is an amazing. And um, I do love an old fashioned, though I'd like, I think it's called the improved old fashioned, which has um, like a little, maybe a little absinthe in yeah, there. Yeah, like it could be a tiny bit of absinthe, a tiny bit of maraschino, a tiny yeah. bit of curacao. So I love like. I love cocktails that are based on, like, we can only make these cocktails with these bottles. Right. Like, I'm not into the... You don't have a million bottles on your back bar to make obscure. Yeah, I love the idea that you can go to a hotel anywhere and they're like, I can make you this drink. I get kind of frustrated when restaurants, like, come up with, like, 20 new cocktails. Agree. Um, Because it kind of, like, you lose what's so great about cocktails, which is sort of the universality of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we generally in our group have like the five ingredient rule. We don't want to have like a 10 ingredient drink because it just is like s- such an unnecessary 
level of oh that's so interesting you have you a f- okay that is really i mean cool. generally there are certain drinks that break the rule but that's yeah. like my guideline it's got to be like the best ever if it's gonna go above. yeah exactly yeah. like there has to be a real reason to go into that six seven eight nine ingredient territory yeah very level yeah um all right nick what trivia category would you dominate um i would <laughs> i would dominate a conversation about radiohead i'm oh nice I, I Actually, made a Ben's joke the other day that went over very poorly. Oh no! <laughs> I should like, try it out. Yeah, no, Let's it's see. just like no, it's just some random reference, and everyone just like it was in a meeting. <laughs> oh okay. Um. So I yeah, I can talk. Thor. I have actually a podcast about Radiohead that I do oh, with my friend. I didn't know that. So What's it called? It's called Anyone Can Play Guitar. So we both try to learn all the Radiohead songs on guitar. Well, that's cool. Cool. So I can. Are I'm, you in the millions of listeners? No, no, we're we're real big in India. <laughs> I did some Google ads over there, and it was like it just exploded. And I'm like, this is wow. amazing. No, really? Yeah, I mean, like exploded was like we got like 500 like downloads on this yeah. one episode. That's great. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, we're learning that kind of stuff too. Ourselves. Yeah, we're starting um, to get into I metrics. Love, okay, yeah, yeah, I did. I love the Smashing Pumpkins too. I can I, uh, 90s alternative rock bands. Nice and. And 1960s jazz, I think I could do pretty well. Oh, that's great. Cool. Uh, all right. To what do you attribute your success? Uh, I mean, I mean, my wife is amazing. She's uh, uh, supported me while I've been doing really stupid things. So, like move to New York. Like move to New York <laughs> and get jobs that don't pay any money because this is what I want to do. Yeah. She's just like, okay. That's cool. As long as you're like doing it and like writing and this is what you want to do, then that's fine. That's cool. You know, we've accepted that she's a professor at UIC right now. So what is she teaching? She teaches um, basically English to English teachers. <laughs> so she teaches teachers to teach at schools. Huh. So she goes to like, um, she has to go to a lot of like schools to monitor like the student teachers and like stuff the like that. the credentialing and getting you ready. Yeah, getting you ready for being a teacher. So. Interesting. The teacher's teacher and she's a doctor she has her doctorate so she's way more way smarter than i am and so yeah Does she ever correct your writing she, she used for you she used to and then i got to the point where i'm like i'm gonna give you the greatest gift of you never have to read anything <laughs> i do anymore so now i have grammarly that yeah. corrects it for me because nice. my grammar isn't it should be better yeah uh and then your last question what is something that bars or restaurants do that might annoy you um oh that's a good question um i've been really disappointed with cocktails lately at some new restaurants um they just lost the plot (laughs) yeah and uh they're getting both really expensive and then having no tie to anything um yeah Yeah, that's a big critique yeah a great critique because you know cocktails should be it should be not fun but like i don't know not familiar i'm trying to think about i just it should be balanced and it should you know when when they're not then you're just like you're left with a really 20 dollar like yeah. really confusing drink that doesn't true, you're yeah. like why does it have matcha in it like <laughs> yeah yeah um i have one last thing okay, okay. yeah um have you have there ever been repercussions for your writing that surprised you like people getting mad at me yeah um oh man so 
There's a guy that literally emails me every time if I don't talk about dessert in a restaurant review. <laughs> every single time. And I thought it was so funny for a little bit. And now I had Is to he block a him. Now he's just like, I love dessert and you're not covering dessert. And I'm like, dude, not every restaurant has like a great dessert program. Like true. a lot of cuisines don't serve dessert. So like if I'm gonna <laughs> go to like guy. But like, all he has to do is just skim through and be like, no mentions of dessert. I know. And then he gets like, you're really disappointing me, Nick, because you're not writing about dessert and you're going to ruin dessert for everybody. <laughs> and if you don't if use I show it, up, you lose yeah, it. If I don't show up to a place to eat and there's no dessert, I'm going to blame you, Nick. Yeah. I'm going to like, I'm personally responsible for like phasing, des- it out. phasing dessert out as an American. And uh, it is a distinctly American thing, I feel like. Yeah. Like, oh, I finished my meal. Now I need a little treat. Well, I always need a little something. I will say, like, I do not have a big sweet tooth. Like, yeah. I don't eat a lot of dessert. I don't drink, you know, like sodas or anything. And so it totally on me. I've told him many times. I'm like, dude, I'm just not your guy. Like, you're just going to have to read someone else. I would <laughs> I would offer to have him write about the desserts. Yeah. Oh, have me the good. dessert guy. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you do it, man? <laughs> yeah, you could be our intern at the Chicago <laughs> trip. Flip it on him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's um, a good gripe. That is That's a very, very funny gripe. gripe, too. All right. Well, that was the last question. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Today. Thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. And that concludes our conversation with Nick Kindlesberger. Thanks for listening to the Joiners Podcast. And remember, check us out on Instagram at Joiners Pod for exclusive content, including throwback photos of our guests, cocktails designed by our very own Danny Shapiro, as well as video reels. That's right, we've got reels. We're in the video game now. Reel all about it. <laughs> Reel all about it. Thanks so much for listening. And remember that this episode was produced by Matt Haddock and our music is by Captain Cuts. We'll see you next week. Thank you.